We read two passages in the Gospel according to Mark, both dealing with the feeding of a multitude. First of all, in Mark 6, verses 30 through 44. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing. And many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go out into the country round about, and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread, and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. When they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. When he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. We'll also turn to chapter 8 and read the first nine verses. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude. Because they have now been with me three days, and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and gave thanks, and break, and gave to his disciples to set before them, and they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. This far we read the word of God. Take instruction also from Lord's Day 40, or rather 50, of our Heidelberg Catechism.
Which is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body, that we may thereby acknowledge Thee to be the only fountain of all good, and that neither our care nor industry nor even Thy gifts can profit us without Thy blessing. Therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it alone in Thee. The miracles, beloved, of the feeding of the 5,000 and of the feeding of the 4,000 demonstrate the power of God through Jesus Christ to supply our daily needs. Certainly the application I'm going to make today from those miracles is not the main application. It's not the most fundamental point of significance. The Apostle John directs us to that in John 6. When he says, or at least he reports Jesus as saying, that the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000 mean to picture Jesus as the bread of life that came down from heaven and underscore that you and I must eat His flesh and drink His blood. That there is in us not just a bodily, earthly life that needs food, bread, and fish, but there is also in us a spiritual life that needs Jesus Christ in His divine and human natures and the completeness of His person and all the riches that He gives. The main point of the miracles, especially the feeding of the 5,000, according to John, is this. Your belly might be full, but your soul might be starving. And then you're not well off. Or again this. Your stomach might be rumbling with hunger. But if your soul is full, you are blessed indeed. What is to be emphasized also in setting forth the deepest significance of these miracles. Is that it is very possible to eat of bread even bread that Jesus provides, as some of the 5,000 did, and yet not have Jesus as the bread of the soul. So John records that after Jesus explained the meaning of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, and explained it in terms of Him being an only and all-sufficient and a sovereign Savior, many said, well, now we don't want you anymore. We wanted you to be our earthly king. We don't need you if you are going to be merely, in their minds merely, a spiritual Savior. The believer benefits from Jesus Christ as the bread of life. Now that's the main point of those miracles, and I don't want to overlook that, but it's not the application we're going to make this morning. In addition to presenting himself as the bread of life, life for the soul, in these miracles also, Jesus indicates that he supplies the earthly needs of his people. In his providence, he supplies all of the earthly needs of all his creatures, so that the birds of the air and the lilies of the field are cared for by him. How much more will not you, 
children of God, be cared for with regard to your and my earthly needs. But what he does in his power and in his control of all of creation, he does in a special way in a particular love for his people. And even the Heidelberg Catechism now presents the explanation of the fourth petition as being both the supply of our bodily needs. God gives us all things necessary for the body and points to spiritual blessings that come to God's people in and through Jesus Christ. And those spiritual graces that he gives are as important as the earthly and physical. In fact, this morning as you and I come to the fourth petition, we could ask questions like this. Why do you pray this prayer? You have your daily food today, don't you? If you haven't had it already this morning, it's going to be waiting for you at home. Why do you, rich people in 2023 in the United States of America, pray this prayer? Why do you pray it to God? Why still do we seek of God bread? Why, when we have so much we could have, do we pray only for bread? Give us this day our daily bread. And the answer to the question why we, in our circumstances of life, continue to make this petition is that in addition to our ongoing need for bread, we need the spiritual graces that come in the way of praying, trust, and contentment, and love for God and for the neighbor. So we'll be reminded of what it is that we pray for in this petition, and then we'll also be reminded of the certain answer of God to his people as we come to him with this supplication on our lips. We're going to be taught by Christ in the school of prayer. And don't overlook the fact that in the performing of the miracle, Christ prayed. We read both times that after the people sat down, He blessed, looked up to heaven and blessed, where the word blessed is literally gave thanks. Even here our Lord prays, and thus He teaches us to pray for our daily bread. That's the theme, praying for our daily bread. First of all, asking for bodily necessities, and secondly, seeking spiritual graces. In order to bring out Jesus Christ in this petition, we don't need to make bread refer to spiritual bread, to Jesus Christ as the nourisher of the soul. The petition regards our body. And it teaches us that God gives us all things necessary for the body. That's evident, first of all, from the fact that we pray for bread. That bread is used here, although the people had much more even in that day. They didn't have all the varieties of bread that we have. They didn't have all the, all the pre-processed and pre-prepared foods that we have today. But they had more than just bread. They had meat. They also had vegetables, lentils, etc. But the Lord teaches us to pray for bread because bread is the basic necessity of the body. 
There is here, though, a figure of speech. That is, one specific item is set forth here as representing an entire category. So that when our Lord teaches us to pray for bread, He does mean to teach us, as the Catechism says, to pray for all things necessary for the body. Not only for food, of which bread is the basic staple, in inherently containing all the main nutrients, but also for clothing and for shelter and for in our day and age what we consider to be needs, transportation and money with which to supply these needs. Give us this day our daily bread is a prayer that God supply all the necessities of earthly life. Why is bread a necessity? And why food, shelter, clothing, and money? It's at this point that we need to be guarded against a wrong notion. And the wrong notion would be that a full stomach, a warm house, and wearing the latest fashion of clothing is the mark of the Christian. Now, every true child of God immediately understands that such is not the case, and yet the health and wealth gospel that permeates our society would tell us it is the case. That we need bread and so much more than bread, because when we are rich, we know God loves us. Rejecting that idea, the proper answer to the question, why is bread a necessity, and why are food, shelter, and clothing necessities, is this, that there is a period of time God gives us in which we are to live on earth and work on earth, from the moment of our birth to the moment of our death, a time determined by Him, and every circumstance in that span of time determined by Him, and that we need food, strength, clothing, shelter, in order to have life and strength to serve Him in seeking His kingdom and in serving His covenant and His church. That's why we need bread. That will have implications that I'll spell out a little later for why sometimes God answers the prayer by not giving bread and by not giving clothing. But for the moment, we see that even here in this petition, as we transition to the second part of the Lord's Prayer, we haven't now turned away from a God-centered perspective. In the first three petitions, it was, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And it isn't now that we've got God out of the way and we can get to the real essence of what we needed to do in prayer, take care of ourselves or address ourselves. Even here, we have God in mind. The Lord teaches us to pray this petition. Fourthly, because properly prayed, the prayer for daily bread is related to the coming of the kingdom of God, the carrying out of God's will, and the doing of God's name. Well, that, first of all, has underscored that this is a prayer for earthly necessities. Give us this day our daily 
bread. But in the second place, to drive the point home also, the prayer is a prayer for those necessities that are immediate and not future. Give us this day our daily bread. Necessities are always immediate. You do not need today a light, short, summery dress or a pair of shorts. That isn't our need today. Today we need long pants, maybe a couple layers of clothing, and a warm winter coat. You do not need today whatever it is that you might have planned to prepare for your family tomorrow night for supper. Today's needs are what we need between right now and the moment we go to bed tonight. Jesus indicates that, especially in Mark 8, that he's going to provide for immediate needs. And in his miracles of feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000, he isn't saying to them, I'm going to make you rich. He isn't even saying to them, I'm going to give you leftovers that will multiply tomorrow and multiply the next day. He's satisfied in immediate need. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. That was an immediate need that they had. When we remember that God provides our immediate needs and that we come to Him seeking the supply of our immediate needs, then we will reorder our priorities so that we come to God making a prayer that glorifies Him. It's prudent to plan for the future. It might be prudent, cost-effective, and even very reasonable and wise for a housewife to go to Costco and buy in bulk. But although there's a prudence in that, buying enough for the next two weeks is not necessarily the way the Lord promises to answer the fourth petition, give us This day. Even more, an application we need to make from this is that in a day of luxuries, when we have so much and of so much quantity and of so much quality, we are prone to disdain the basic necessities of life. So that if I were to say to my children, have a piece of bread, they would look at me and say, What? Just bread? Isn't there pizza in the freezer? And were I to say to them, have a drink of water, they would say, water? Why not pop? We begin to think that our basic necessities are below us. And yet we come to God in prayer, praying for our bread For this day, the Lord promises that He will answer that petition. Having set forth what we're praying for, notice that there are really two things, two requests that we make. The first, of course, is give, and that one's explicit in the fourth petition itself. And the reason we come to God with this petition on our lips is that we are powerless 
to provide for our needs. This too we forget. I might wake up strong as I've woken up for many years, every morning for many years, and suppose that I will go to work and I will earn my paycheck. And yet, the Lord uses means to provide me with that paycheck, means that He can take away in a moment. My own strength can be taken away in a moment. The employer who gives me a paycheck can be taken away in a moment. The job that I have can be taken away in a moment. We must come to God every day conscious that though we're using a means that we've used time and again, it is God who gives. And the God who gives using our industry and work and using employers is also a God who gives at times by the way of miracles as he did for the 5,000 and 4,000 in the passages we read. Or he's a God who gives sometimes in an unexpected way at a moment when some of God's people have said, I don't really know where my next meal will come from. God has provided for their needs. Elisha, rather Elijah, by the brook Cherith was fed. Twice a day, food that is bread and meat by ravens. God gives. The first place that underscores his power, his ability to give is never limited. He will never say to his people, I am no longer able to give. And the second place that underscores also his love for his children in Christ. For not every person, not every human who needs bread today is coming to God with a petition on his lips, beginning with the words, Our Father which art in heaven, and including the prayer, Give us this day our daily bread. His children come with this petition on our lips, and he hears and he answers in love for us. First of all, the petition is give. But implied and indicated also in the catechism's explanation of this petition is the prayer, bless. Give us this day our daily bread. That is, be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body. And then among the reasons or purposes for our remembering that is this. Neither our care nor industry nor even thy gifts can profit us without thy blessing. Food, clothing, and shelter already given can become useless if God does not bless. Worms eat the flower. Moths destroy the clothing. A fire takes away the house. Termites eat the wood. Or, what ordinarily is used for my strength, food, I now eat and it sickens me. The Lord is able to use that which we have against us. Not really against us spiritually, but in a way that doesn't serve our health and our strength. 
And this is why rich people in the year 2023 in the United States of America also pray this petition every day. Although we have so much, it is as though he has already given and given enough for a month, yet we pray, bless. Bless what thou hast given. Bless on the one hand so that I continue to have it, but bless it also so that it is of use for me in the service of thee and of thy kingdom. This is why the prayer is to be prayed in the morning and at night, before meals and after meals, regularly and repeatedly. Maybe you prayed the prayer in a particular way in the last several weeks. There have been several waves of winter weather that have come through and forecasts somewhere here or there of power outages. And it's a reminder to us who have stored up much. Then the way of simply losing our electricity and then that electricity not being restored to us for some time, the Lord can take away, that is, make useless for us, what He has already given. And maybe a godly father led his family in turning to God in prayer, expressing trust in God and contentment with the way and the will of God, and said, Father, bless. And with the blessing of our food in mind, keep the electricity on if it is thy will. And if that fails too, and we have to throw out everything in the freezer, thy will is done, and thy name is hallowed. The miracles that Jesus did illustrate in a marvelous way that God blesses. For in each instance, a multitude sat down to eat, numbering thousands, and the food at hand was enough for perhaps a family or just a couple of families. Five loaves and two fish, and again seven loaves and a few small fish. The blessing of God was manifest in making what appeared not to be enough to be enough And then leftovers were gathered, greater in quantity than the food that one began with. Five loaves and two fish, and after feeding 5,000 people, 12 baskets of leftovers are gathered in. That is the blessing of Jehovah God. And in other times throughout history also, as recorded in scriptures, he made what appeared to be too little be enough. Oh. Then you children and young people who may one day have far less than we do today, both because of an economic downturn, perhaps, but even more because you are Christians and being faithful to God might be prohibited from buying or selling, will still take the few crumbs or the little that you have and pray that God bless and find it to be Enough. This aspect of the prayer, God will hear and answer. You know that, and I know that, for four reasons. In the first place, there's the promise of Jesus himself in Matthew 6, verse 33. The Lord knows what things you have need of, 
and he will add them unto you. In the second place, the miracles themselves remind us that God will provide. Jesus Christ did not send the multitudes away. He did not say, you'll have to leave and go fend for yourself. He did not indicate that he was unwilling to supply even if he was able. He supplied the needs of the people and he did so as the Son of God, as God himself in the flesh. If Jesus Christ is willing and able, Jehovah God is willing and able. In the third place, you and I know this from our own experience in the past. Look back on your life's history. Find a time when you were without. I didn't ask you to find or think of a time when you didn't have as much as you wanted. That we might be able to do. Find a time in your life when you truly lacked enough to do what the Lord would have you do that day. You can't think of such a time. If our investments shrink, if war breaks out and all that we have is gone, He will supply our needs. I gave three reasons so far, but the fourth is the most important. And that is, Jesus Christ also came into the flesh and died on the cross to earn the right for food for God's people. Remember that you and I were created in Adam, stewards of creation, able to serve God. And as as an aid to us in serving Him, God said to Adam, as it were, all things are yours. Adam was an unfaithful steward, and he sinned against God, robbed God of His honor and glory. And therefore, God chastised him and put him out of the garden, and And Adam, and you and I in him, died in sin, are no longer able to serve God, and therefore do not have a right to food. It may be that among the most wealthy in this world are those who are very wicked, but though they have much, they do not have a spiritual right to much. And what God gives them, He gives not in, his ju- not in His love and mercy, but in His preparing them for hell and condemnation. But you and I also don't deserve so much as a crumb and a drip of water. Our Lord and Savior died on the cross in order to earn for us again the right to be called stewards and servants of God, and therefore the right to have our daily bread with a view to serving Him, and it's that death of Christ on the cross. The completeness of His atoning work there and His satisfying the justice of God, that lays the basis for your and my confidence. The Lord will hear and answer. But His answer will be according to His will. The degree that he gives you and the degree that he gives me might be different because his will for you and for me is different. The amount he gives me today and the amount he gives me tomorrow might be different 
because his will for me today and tomorrow is different. This point too is implied in the petition, for we are taught to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And it might seem to an English speaker that there's a redundancy in the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. But in fact, our Lord is teaching us in that word daily to pray for the food that God has from eternity determined we should have. Daily meaning that which we have coming to us. That which He decreed from all eternity would be ours. And that's all I'm praying for. If therefore today what the Lord determined I should have is less than what He determined I should have yesterday, so be it. I will be content with that. And it's for this reason that if the Lord does not give us food at all. If we die of starvation, if we die from exposure to the elements for lack of adequate clothing and shelter, that we should never say, He did not answer my prayer, but should say, that is how He answered my prayer. I didn't need bread anymore. I didn't need clothing and shelter anymore. He meant for my days on earth to be finished and to bring me to heaven. He heard and he answered. That's the prayer for bodily necessities. But as we bring that petition, we're also seeking spiritual graces. Our Heidelberg Catechism indicates that this is the purpose of God in providing us with earthly things, that we might contemplate His spiritual goodness and gifts. Be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body. Why? That we may acknowledge Thee to be the only fountain of all good. That's a confession. That's a spiritual grace. Furthermore, that neither our care nor industry nor even thy gifts can profit us without thy blessing. And therefore that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it alone in thee. That also is a spiritual grace. The purpose of the miracles, as John 6 indicated, was that not only the people understand that Jesus would fill their belly, but they understood that he was their only complete and all-sufficient Savior, the Messiah that God had sent from heaven. The purpose of the providing of earthly needs was the beholding of Jesus Christ as the perfect supplier of spiritual needs. Why this relationship between earthly bread and spiritual graces? Is the catechism stretching the matter a bit? And the answer is no. The earthly is always a picture of the heavenly. God created this creation to point us to the next creation. And therefore, embedded in the earthly and physical is a lesson about the spiritual. There are therefore three things specifically, three graces that we pray for. 
The first will begin at the end of the catechism, that grace to withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it alone in God. Grace to trust. Is it not ironic that though we have more quantity than many people in years past, and even many people in other places today, and we have better earthly means to preserve that which we have in our refrigerators and freezers, etc. But then is it not ironic that we are one of the most anxious societies that have ever existed on the earth? Why must Americans fret and worry and fear? Why do we not trust? And the answer to the question, of course, sin, ultimately, but sin as it expresses itself in the spirit of our age, which is a rejection of God and a reliance upon self. With evolutionary theory, God is out of the picture. There is no God. There's no God who created, our society would say. There is therefore no God to whom you and I go to seek the supply of our daily needs. And so don't turn to God. Of course then we will be anxious and fear, fret and worry. It's up to me to preserve all that I have. And that's quite a weight when I have a lot. The child of God, even though living in a society such as ours, can readily say, oh no, oh no. As the psalmist said in Psalm 127, he giveth his beloved sleep. I'll go to work today. I'll put in a fair day's work. I'll then attend at home to my other responsibility as a husband and as a father. I'll be with my children. I'll speak with and and dwell with my wife. But in the end, I'll go to sleep. The Lord will take care of me. But because trust does not come by nature to the child of God, because even the disciples were anxious and fretting, so that Jesus had to tell them, be careful for nothing. That was Paul to the Philippians. But Jesus in Matthew 6 making a similar point. Because that is our nature. The prayer is necessary. We pray for grace to trust. And when we trust, when we know that God will give us tomorrow what we need for tomorrow, if we are even alive for tomorrow, then today we have peace and calm. What often allows you or me to develop in our anxiety and worry is that we don't pray. And the Apostle Paul to the Philippians was right on when he said, Be anxious for nothing, be careful for nothing, but pray. In everything, by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
When I understand that God will certainly provide, and I trust Him to provide, then though I work, I won't steal. Though I work, and if it need be a second job, I won't neglect my wife and children. And though I work and it seems not to provide me with as much as I'd like, I will not say, let me buy a lotto ticket. You never know if this might be a winner. The child of God who trusts, obeys the law of God, and busies himself doing the will of God, the carrying out of which we just finished praying for in the third petition. The second grace we seek here is grace to be content with what God gives. Especially relevant to you and to me again in our society, and a time when God gives to one more than another, and I might say to myself, why do I get less and he get more? Not only is that a very selfish question, but it forgets the fundamental point that Jesus taught in a parable of some who bore the heat of the sun and got a whole penny, and others who worked but one hour and got a penny, and the householder or the landowner said to them, Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? And that's what we forget. Jehovah God gives and distributes to each as he is pleased to do. What is my calling and yours now, therefore we need to pray for grace, is not to evaluate how much others got in relation to me and determine whether I was treated fairly or not, but what is my calling is to give thanks and praise to God for everything he gave. Not why don't I have another hundred thousand dollars, but I just found a nickel on the ground. I thank God for that. And even this nickel I will use to his glory and in his service. How much of your prayers are praise and thanksgiving? Consciously acknowledging that every gift you and I have has come from Him. When a man has little, he can still give thanks for little. I already referred to the fact that Jesus prayed in both of these miracles before He distributed the bread. But you understand that He prayed when there was but little? At least but little in comparison to what the need appeared to be. And God heard his prayer and he made little much. Contentment, beloved. And with the spirit and grace of contentment, one can say what the Apostle Paul said again in Philippians 4. As he sat in a jail cell, I have all and abound. I Am full. The third grace for which we pray, embedded in this petition, is a grace to love others, to seek their good, and to use our possessions for their advantage. 
There are two words in the petition I haven't really developed or driven home yet. Give us this day our daily bread. Certainly that underscores again the child of God is praying. It's not just a, a, a human, a member of human society. Give us. Give to us who are thy children redeemed by Christ. But at the same time what's coming out there is we're expressing a love and a care for others. It's not only that I have my bread and food and necessary clothing, but remember all of my brothers and sisters in Christ give us our. We're not going to make the prayer selfishly. It isn't give me my. It is give us our. Notice again from the miracle, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, first of all, recorded in Mark 6. There was a young boy who had five loaves and two fish. Mark didn't tell us that. Other gospel accounts do. And that one boy willingly gave up what he had, which wasn't overly much to start with, for others. Again, in Mark 8, in the feeding of the 4,000, when the disciples had to go around and find out how much food was available, it was all, of course, in the private possession of certain individuals. And yet those certain individuals willingly gave up what they had for the good of others. That's the point being driven home. And now when I pray, give us this day our daily bread, and I find that I have enough for today. I might think it's just barely enough for me. But my brother or sister in Christ comes and says, I have nothing. Then I share. And as I share, I say to my brother or sister in Christ, let us now go to God in prayer together. Because I thought I had just enough. You have nothing. I am called and obligated to give of my just enough for you. And yet we will pray that the Lord make what I share with you enough for both. Trust, contentment, love. Those are the three spiritual graces. And this part of the prayer God also hears and answers if he will certainly give bread, how much more will he not give his grace and Holy Spirit to us who ask? He drives home that point later in the gospel according to Luke. For this end, Jesus Christ also died and rose. If he died and rose in order to earn the right for us to have enough food and bodily needs to serve our Lord and be good stewards then he certainly died to earn and rose to bestow the spiritual graces so that we have not just enough in a bodily sense, but we have the spiritual power to use it aright and to God's glory. This is why the prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is necessary. Whether we have little or much, Always we need His blessing and the graces that come with it. 
As you pray this prayer, confident that the Lord will hear and answer, look ahead again to another day, a coming day, when we still will rely on our Lord and Savior to give us all that we need to serve Him in eternity. But we will no longer lead earthly bread and earthly water. All our needs will be supplied. Spiritual blessings given us in wave after wave after wave. A testimony of the unending love and constant faithfulness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the triune God for his people. Amen. We are unworthy, Heavenly Father, and undeserving. But our prayer now is that Thou wilt provide us today with everything we need. And that in providing us what we need, we might willingly and readily share both possessions, but also the gospel with everyone with whom we speak. For although our need is that our body have bread, if we have bread in abundance, but no grace, we're still dead. Remember all of thy people everywhere who are yet not regenerated and brought to faith and bring them soon to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then hasten the day when we join in eternal worship and everlasting praise of Thee, the giver and fountain of all good. For Christ's sake, amen.